Welcome to the Word Podcast. Hello again, good day, and welcome back to the Word Podcast. Today we are on episode 16, and we are once again going to look at one of the more spectacular miracles performed by Jesus. We did a miracle last week, we're going to do a miracle this week, maybe we'll even do another miracle next week. Uh, yeah, last week was the miracle in two stages. Today is a, like I said, a more spectacular one than that. This is the miracle of the swine or the casting out of demons into swine. It's sometimes called the exorcism of the Gerasene demonic. It's a fantastic miracle filled with action and drama and, of course, many lessons to take away from it. This miracle is recorded for us in the three synoptic Gospels, but not in the Gospel of John. Um, All three accounts involve Jesus exercising demons who collectively identify themselves in Mark and Luke as legion. Now, before we dive right into the story, let's take a moment, as we always do, here on the Word Podcast, and let's offer... Praise to our Lord and Father. Heavenly Father, I pray that you give me clarity of thought as I study your word. Focus my attention on you, always on you and your teaching. Give me the ability to remember what I read, understand what I read, and bless this small effort to spread your word to others that it may be fruitful in bringing people closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today's episode, like I said, is the miracle of the swine, and it is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20, and Luke chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. I'm not going to read all three in the interest of saving time. All three are the same miracle with some slight differences. These differences don't really affect the heart of the encounter. And I say differences and not contradictions. Uh, When people attack the Bible, they like to point to uh, what they believe are contradictions. I know I used to when I used to battle with the Bible. Um, But just through the most basic bit of research... I found very plausible explanations for these slight differences. And I encourage you to do your own research there. I'm not going to get into all of it. But there are some slight differences. Uh, So like I said, this encounter is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I will read Mark's gospel, Mark's account of uh, the exorcism of the demons into swine. So here we go with our reading, if you want to get your Bibles out. If you don't have your Bibles, just listen. This is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. It's about half a page. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay, now it's important that we understand what happened just before this encounter. Jesus had already performed many miracles and healings, and he was just teaching a multitude of people by the side of the sea, on the other side of the sea. When night fell, Jesus and his apostles went across the sea in a boat, and a storm hit them. Mark chapter 4 records that the waves were crashing into their boat, and the boat was filling up with water. The apostles were all panicking, and were told Jesus was asleep in the boat in the middle of the storm. Finally, the apostles couldn't take it anymore. They wake up Jesus saying, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus says to the sea, peace be still and the wind and the waves stop and the sea is calm. Jesus says to his followers, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? A very common theme that we see again and again, that even the people closest to Jesus uh, didn't have enough faith. Like the very people that lived with them. Here they are in a boat with God and they were afraid of drowning. Like I said, that's a theme that pops up time and time again from the people that were closest to him, that uh, they're just their disbelief overpowers them sometimes, even though they lived with Jesus. So now on calm waters, now on the boat, they land on the other side of the sea. And when Jesus steps out of the boat, we're told immediately a man comes up to Jesus. This man, we are told, had an unclean spirit and he lived amongst the tombs. He had supernatural strength and could not be bound by chains or shackles. 
We're told in scripture that no one had the strength to subdue him. Also, this man would cry out all day and all night and cut himself with stones. So this guy, this guy's a real mess. And the second he saw Jesus from afar, he immediately ran up to him and fell down before him and then started crying out to Jesus. Like, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of God, do not torment me. Jesus asks the man, what is your name? To which the possessed man says, my name is Legion, for we are many. So now we understand that there's not just one demon in this poor man, but many. How many demons are in him? At this time in history, the word Legion referred to a Roman company of soldiers or a Roman Legion, which was a name given to soldiers when they numbered in the thousands. A legion was a few thousand soldiers. So we can understand that this man had literally thousands of evil spirits inside him. And the demons begged Jesus not to send them away. But rather they plead with Jesus to send them into a herd of pigs on the nearby hillside. Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So Jesus commands them to enter the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, we're told, rushes down the steep bank into the sea and drowned. The men herding the pigs fled back to the city and told everyone what had happened. This was a big, big event. We don't get recorded for us the reactions of the apostles that were with them. I can only imagine they were all maybe even still in the boat, sitting there stunned. So after the, the, the herdsmen or the shepherds with the pigs go back to the city and tell everyone, a crowd returns to see Jesus and to see all the dead pigs and the possessed man. They would have all known the possessed man with the unclean spirit. They had driven him out of their city and forced him to live among the tombs. The graveyard is what we can get from that. He lived in the graveyard outside of town. This is the man they had tried to subdue time and time again. They had tried to bind him with chains and shackles that he tore to shreds. And here he is sitting clothed and in his right mind, apparently healed. And the reaction were given from the town people is not one of elation or joy or relief. We're told that the townspeople were afraid and they begged Jesus to leave their region, which is very interesting. And Jesus did. Jesus uh, turned around and we're told was getting into his boat. And we remember that he just got there and he was already asked to leave. He had just got there after sailing through the storm from one side of the sea to the other, we're told as soon as he got out of his boat, the possessed man ran up to him, fell down in front of him, and then the encounter took place. When the crowd returns after hearing about this, they immediately tell Jesus to leave or ask Jesus to leave, which, which he does. And then we're told before Jesus could leave in his boat, the man that was possessed by Legion begins to beg Jesus to let him follow him. And to this request, Jesus refuses. Instead, Jesus instructs the healed man to remain in the region. 
to go back to your friends, go back to your city, and tell them of the great things the Lord has done and how the Lord showed mercy upon you. And the man went away into the region and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. And we're told everyone marveled. So this man, who is never uh, called by any name, is really the first teacher of the Gentiles. We never hear from him again. We never know his name, but we're told that everyone marveled at his telling of Jesus's mercy and power. He pretty much is or was the first one to spread the word of Jesus to the Gentiles long before Paul would come along and do all the incredible things he did to forward Christianity with the Gentiles. This man was the first. Of all the people in the world that God could choose from to speak to the Gentiles first, isn't it incredible that this is the man he picks to forward his will? And time and time again, it seems like every podcast, the most seemingly unlikely people are the ones that are called by God. This is just an incredible story, an incredible event that confirms for me, confirms for us, who Jesus was on earth. Jesus reveals himself as the son of God to some during his ministry. He told, oh, he told the woman at the well who he was. Uh, some people that were healed by him knew who he was, the son of God, the Messiah. During Jesus' own baptism, God himself declared to everyone at the river that this is my son. Yet still many did not believe, and still to this day some never do. In contrast to not believing who he says he is, the demons that were inside this man immediately knew who he was. As soon as Jesus got out of his boat, they knew. They saw him from afar, we're told, and the man ran up and fell down in front of Jesus. They identified him immediately. And we kind of saw something similar to this that we talked about in the Seven Sons of Sceva episode, where the demons in that encounter admitted, that was an encounter not with Jesus, but with Paul, who used the name of Jesus to exercise demons. The demons in the Seven Sons of Sceva encounter admitted to knowing who Jesus was. This legion of unclean spirits knew Jesus was the son of God just by seeing him land his boat on the shore from afar. They acknowledged Jesus's status, his title, his authority, and his ultimate unflinching power over them. When Jesus commanded them to leave the man, they had no choice but to obey their king. They may have served Satan and worshiped Satan, but Jesus is the ultimate authority in the universe, and they didn't even try to challenge it. We see this authority again, or I mean, before this story, we read about Jesus's ultimate authority back in the Old Testament with the prophet Isaiah, and we find it in 
The line from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, that line is, To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. God's power, God's power is absolute. We as followers of Jesus must believe this completely, without a doubt, that to be a follower of Christ is to acknowledge that Christ is king. And at the same time, we acknowledge this ultimate power over everything in the universe. He's the creator of the universe. He's the king of the universe. He's rules over everything. So we see him in that light. But as Christians, we also see Jesus as a meek, humble lamb who was humiliated, beaten, and ultimately murdered so that I, me, you, everybody who believes in him will receive his grace. Grace that is undeserved yet freely given to those that would believe in him and give themselves over to him. It's interesting that this grace we enjoy was only offered to humans. The Bible never speaks of any grace offered to the angels that rebelled against him. So that fact is important that the angels don't get that grace that we get. Human beings rebelled against God, but were given grace. Jesus takes our place. Nobody took the place for the angels. The angels are not offered salvation. It's understandable then that the fear that these spirits, these unclean spirits or demons or fallen angels, whatever they are, it's understandable why they tremble at the sight of Jesus because they know they have no salvation. They know they will be punished when God catches up to them and there is no salvation coming for them. There is no way out. When they're cast out by God, they're done. One theory based on this is like, so one theory about why the demons asked to go into the pigs was so they could continue their time on earth. The demons didn't want to kill the pigs. They wanted to live in them, presumably until living in these pigs, they could find another suitable host, another human. The demons don't say it in Mark, but in Matthew, before they're cast out, they say to Jesus, have you come here to torture us before the time? These fallen angels, demons, unclean spirits, they know the prophecies. They know who Jesus is, and they sure as heck know that they don't want their time on earth to be up. So they ask to go into the pigs, which Jesus allows. They go into the pigs, and then one theory is that the pigs themselves throw themselves off a cliff rather than be possessed. There's a whole bunch of research on this too, whether Jesus commanded the pigs to kill themselves or the demons commanded the pigs to kill themselves or the pigs chose to kill themselves. And I lean pretty heavily towards the pigs doing it. Nowhere does it give any evidence that Jesus commanded the pigs to do this. And there's multiple references 
in Scripture as to how God cares for all creatures. He wouldn't cast the demons into the pigs just to kill all the pigs. I think the pigs did it rather than being filled with unclean spirits. But please don't take my word for it. Read it yourselves. See what you get from it. I'd be very curious to know how other people that read this miracle uh, feel about it. And in my research too, there's all kinds of rabbit holes you can go down about animal rights and why would a loving God do this to these, these poor pigs in the field. But that's for another time. Read it for yourselves and uh, see how God talks to you about this story. And that, that's, that's the miracle of the swine. After this encounter, Jesus goes back across the sea uh, where he lands back on another shore and we're told he immediately, again, is greeted by crowds and continues his earthly ministry. Jesus really doesn't get any days off. Once he got rolling in his ministry, uh, the crowds never gave him a, gave him a break until he was finally betrayed and arrested. Jesus is always working, always healing. God's always working, always healing on earth and in heaven. So yeah, that's it. I really uh, I really enjoyed that story. It's one I had heard about before, uh, but it's a very interesting miracle. And like I said, maybe we'll go focus on some of the Lord's miracles on earth during Jesus' ministry because they are very interesting and exciting to read about. But that's it for the story of the exorcism of the swine. So let's, what do we do next here? We grab our Bible verse generator. Let's see what we get here for a Bible verse today. Today we have, it's from Proverbs, Proverbs, the third proverb, chapter three of Proverbs, verses one and two. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. That's a really good one. Keep God's commandments in your heart and he will add peaceful years to your life. What an amazing God that we serve. All right, well, let's see. We were about 23 minutes in now almost, so let's put a ribbon on this episode here. Let's let's uh, let's pray together to close out this episode. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Bible. We thank you for the miracles that Jesus performed. Our knees bend, our tongues confess that you are the Lord of the universe and all things are possible through you. We pray that our love for you grows with each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's another one in the books, folks. Thanks again to everyone who is still tuning in. There's about 20 of you, I think, that still tune in once a week, which I really appreciate. Again, you can continue the conversation on Twitter, if that's your thing, at the underscore word podcast. And... Hmm. Yeah, let's close it there. Until next week, 
God bless you all, everyone.